Hello everyone, Mark here from Casting Through Ancient Greece, bringing you a teaser from the latest bonus episode over on Patreon. If you like what you hear and want to support the series, you can head over to Patreon to support Casting Through Ancient Greece, where you'll gain access to the full version of this episode, plus many others. Hello everyone and welcome back to another bonus episode, where this time around we'll be looking at warfare and the emergence of the hoplite in the Archaic period. One of the earliest recorded poems in ancient Greece was from the epic poet Homer, titled the Iliad. The poem depicts ten days of battle in the last year of the Trojan War, where the Greeks, years earlier, had sailed across the Aegean to make war on Troy, due to the Trojan prince Paris having stolen the Spartan king Menelaus's wife. The Greeks would come together under a united force led by Agamemnon, the king of Mycenae and brother of Menelaus. Warfare and the emotions that go with it would be the primary focus of the poem. In my opinion, the Iliad would be one of the most violent books I have read, with it also being more violent than any movie attempting to depict it. It would proceed to describe 240 battlefield deaths throughout its pages. The Iliad would have a number of themes present throughout, though for our purposes today, I want to latch on to the notion of chaos which means something akin to eternal glory, and would be a quality all warriors of the Bronze Age were seeking, or so we are told, through the written works that have survived. We see a great example of Kleos at work in the Iliad when Achilles recounts a meeting with his mother, Thetis. My divine mother, silver-footed Thetis, says that destiny has left me two courses open to me on my journey to the grave. If I stay here and fight it out in Ilium, there will be no homecoming for me but there will be eternal glory instead. If I go back to the land of my fathers, my heroic glory will be forfeit, but my life will be long and I shall be spared an early death. As we all probably know, Achilles chose eternal glory. We still speak of him today and his exploits in the pages of books over 3,000 years later. Now the depictions we get from the fighting in the Bronze Age post-date the period by some 500 years with the Iliad being composed as the Dark Ages were turning into the Archaic period. How much of Homer's time was encapsulated in the poem compared to the Bronze Age is hard to tell, though there is no doubt that we do get accounts that talk of things that are known to be from the Bronze Age, with the boar's tusk helmet being one. The fighters of the Bronze Age would be depicted as individuals seeking their chaos on the battlefield with a worthy opponent. This would see us referring to the fighters as warriors, with a focus on individual exploits and their own reputation in their societies where another class of fighter that is much more common today is that of the soldier, who exists for the greater cause than themselves. In fact, a soldier is stripped of their individualism and rather acting for a common system. They become faceless on the macro level, being part of a standardised structure, looking and acting like all other soldiers, part of the same formation. Although this is the view depicted of Bronze Age warfare, it ignores the many thousands of other fighters that would have been present on the battlefield where even though the Homeric poems focus on the individual fighter, we are given scenes of massed infantry. There stood the very pick of their best men, awaiting godlike Hector and the Trojans. An impenetrable hedge of spears and sloping shields. Shield to shield, helmet to helmet, man to man. So close were their ranks that, when they moved their heads, their crested helmets with their shining plates touched and the spears overlapped as they brandished them in their sturdy hands. This shows the idea of the warrior and soldier both existed at the same time, but it appears the warrior was seen as the idealised type of fighter, 
with a man of social higher standing being represented in this way. Though what we find is that there appears to be a switch, or perhaps more accurately, a gradual change, in where the focus lay, and most likely how battles were fought. This change can be seen when comparing the Bronze Age to the Classical Age, when looking at literary works, archaeology, and other cultural elements. How and when these changes occurred, though, has been difficult to detect, and many theories and arguments have been put forward. Over 500 years separate the end of the Bronze Age and some of the first examples of a new style of warfare, featuring the hoplite at its core. Much of this intervening period is often described as a Dark Age, where many elements of society had regressed before a re-emergence of culture and social structures began to emerge. So, we've got ourselves a little background on how warfare of the Bronze Age was presented and the differences between soldiers and warriors. I think we need now to focus on what the hoplite actually was and how they would fight, since this would form the central concept of Greek warfare in the Archaic and into the Classical period. Then we can look at where this change in warfare seems to develop and why this would form the new order of how battles were fought. The hoplite was the primary infantry that would be recognised as making up the many armies of the Greek city-states in the Classical period. The term hoplite comes from the panoply of equipment that the fighter used and carried. Often the term hoplite is said to have been derived from the shield he carried, often cited as a hoplon, though we find throughout the sources that this term more accurately describes the collection of arms and armour that were carried, the shield more specifically known as an aspis. This is also where we get the term panoply, meaning all equipment or arms. The panoply that the hoplite would be equipped with would change over the course of history, with perhaps the archaic period seeing the hoplite as heavily equipped than any other period afterward. For protection, body armour would be worn, usually in the form of a bronze chest plate, a bronze helmet, most commonly the Corinthian helmet, the earliest examples uncovered at Corinth, while bronze greaves or shin guards will also be used. For additional protection, the hoplite would also carry his shield or aspis that we already brought up. This was a circular concave shape that could be up to a metre in diameter. It was constructed of a wooden interior with the surface facing the enemy coated in bronze, while the surface against the hoplite was covered with leather. Well, that's my teaser of what's happening over on Patreon. You can also find the full version to this episode, plus other episodes where I've been focusing on the very early history of Greece. These episodes have allowed me to look back to where my series started and focus on topics in isolation and in more detail than I'd gone into before. I'm also open to members helping drive the direction of these episodes with suggestions of what they would like to see covered. New episodes come out in the first week of every month and are exclusive to members to show my appreciation for their supporting the series. If you've also been enjoying the series and would like to show your support, you can head over to Patreon at the Casting Through Ancient Greece page. Alternatively, you can discover many ways to support the series over on my website at www.castingthroughancientgreece.com and click on the Support the Series button. Thank you for listening and supporting the series. I look forward to hopefully seeing you over on Patreon and engaging with you over there.